because before that, my money felt like a black hole. You know, I didn't really know what it was doing exactly. But once I began to budget, um, I began to tell my money what I wanted it to do each month. And it did it. And that, you know, that really changed everything for me. You're listening to the Winning to Wealth podcast, where you'll hear real stories from real people who are on the path to building real wealth. These stories will show you how to earn more money, pay off debt, start investing, and make better money choices so you can build wealth for your future. Now, here's your host, Michael Lacey. What's up? What's up? What's up, teammates? This is episode 33 of the Winning to Wealth podcast. And this week, we're doing a deep dive with a millionaire. That's right. I have an actual millionaire on this week, and she is going to share exactly what she did and how she did it on the road to building wealth. April Stewart, better known as April the Money Coach, is my guest this week. And according to some recent calculations, she is one of slightly more than 14 million American millionaires. And by my calculation, this means that almost 12% of American households have a $1 million net worth or greater. Talk about inspiring. Now, if this is your first time here with me on the Winning to Wealth podcast, be sure to reach up and tap that subscribe button. This does nothing more than ensure that you will know every single time a new interview with a millionaire or someone in the process of becoming a millionaire is released. Also, if you want to join a like-minded crew of people on the journey to millionaire status, swing by my private Facebook group where we talk about money openly and honestly. You can find that over at winningtowealth.com slash teammates. But enough of that. Let's jump right into this interview with April where she shares how she went from being in consumer debt to being a millionaire before age 38. So, April, welcome to the show. I am excited to have you and jump more into your story about becoming a millionaire in your 30s. So, again, just welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So jumping in with just the first question, I mean, what kind of financial example did you have growing up? So uh, I grew up in a lower income family, and unfortunately, I only had examples of what not to do with money. So I witnessed behavior such as, you know, co-signing loans and, you know, a lot of consumer debt. And I actually saw, you know, people doing some unsavory things with money or to get money. So, you know, growing up, I basically, you know, had an example of what not to do with money. But that kind of fueled me um, going forward with helping me to figure out how I wanted to navigate myself around money. You know, that's interesting because I kind of grew up in in that same vein and it did motivate me. I know like a lot of people, you can kind of go one or two ways. Like you can just accept that like, okay, this is the reality of life and like this is how life is supposed to be. And then there's the other side. It's kind of like me and you where where we see this and we kind of view it as like a motivational thing of like what we don't want to do. So can you talk a little bit about just how growing up in that situation made you feel? Um, so it really made me view money as something that there wasn't enough of or that, you know, it was hard to come by. And it made me doubt that it would be present for me in the future for my needs. But as I said, I'm I'm fortunate that the way I grew up around money drove me to want a different relationship with money. You know, so from there it, it made me have a conservative and a very thoughtful 
interaction with my dealings with money. So upon graduating from college, I was told by family members that I should get a credit card in order to build credit. But I didn't like that advice. Um, you know, growing, you know, just getting out of college, I was new to having income and I didn't know how to manage it. So I didn't think racking up debt was a good course of action. So as I said, it just made me very thoughtful in how I um, interacted with it. Okay. So did you ever find yourself in any type of consumer debt or, or debt at all? I did eventually get a credit card shortly after college, but I did end up having a little credit card debt, and I also had student loan debt and a car loan. And um, so I ended up with about $25,000 in debt when I got to the point where I was ready to really you know, turn things around and do a money transformation. So I was looking at about $25,000 um, in debt. Sticking with those that time frame right there, did you feel like in that moment when you're fresh out of college, you've got student loans, you've got a car loan, and you're starting to kind of slowly rack up a little credit card debt, like, did you feel that you were struggling financially or did things just feel normal in the sense of, you know what, this is just what you do. This is a part of adulthood. These are just natural things that you, you know, do when you start making income for yourself. So I didn't feel a financial struggle per se. I think things did mostly feel normal. My credit card debt was low. Like I said, I was I was conservative with it. So I'm pretty sure I had like less than a thousand in credit card debt. And then, you know, it was normal to have student loan and car loan debt. So I didn't necessarily see anything you know wrong with that. Um, I would say where I did feel struggle was with wanting to save more. And, um, and I wasn't able to save. I wasn't really able to save money um, with the way I was going. So I think that's where I felt the tension in my, in my financial, I guess my financial status. Okay. So that makes total sense to me. So can you talk a little bit about the moment where you just drew that line in the sand and you were like, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go in a different direction. What was, what was that moment like? And kind of what was building up to that moment? I just felt like I was making a good income and I just didn't really have a lot to show for it. Like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't able to save, like I actually had a goal of wanting to save money each month, but I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't able to find the money, you know, within my paycheck to save. And I'm like, this shouldn't be this way. So I began, I began to read books and educate myself on financial principles. And what I was finding in a lot of the books I was reading was a lot of theory. And I just didn't really find anything that I could apply um, to my life. And I think that really changed once a coworker introduced me to um, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover book. And from there, um, I really started to change my mindset around money. And I, you know, knew that no, debt is not normal, and you know, you don't have to fall in line with what everyone else says is normal. So it just really began to change my thinking around money and made me want to do differently um, with the income that I had. Okay. And so you mentioned that you weren't finding a lot of practical things that you could actually put into place, start working on, start building new habits. So once you find the Dave Ramsey book, did you have, what habits did you have to change and what, how did you go about doing that in order to start making progress? Fortunately, I didn't have to change my habits very drastically. I think what I had to do was form a plan around my money and I didn't have a plan before that. So I started to budget and that gave me insight into my money. So that was really a game changer because before that, my money felt like a black hole. You know, I didn't really know what it was doing exactly. 
But once I began to budget, um, I began to tell my money what I wanted it to do each month and it did it. And that, you know, that really changed everything for me. And as I like to say, I felt like I got a raise, even though I still had my same income. But the fact that um, I was actually being really intentional around my money, I found that um, it stretched further and it did more than I knew that it could do before. Okay. And so at that time, like were your family and friends, were they, were they really supportive of your journey or were you finding yourself kind of having to explain yourself a lot, like why you weren't doing certain things anymore or anything like that? Yeah, I had to explain and they were supportive to a sense. I mean, no one, you know, said, you know, that's stupid. You shouldn't do that or anything, but no one really also jumped on board. So they kind of just watched what I did. And I was very excited about it. I was adamant about it. I shared it. I held like a workshop at my house and invited friends and family over so I could tell them what I was doing differently with my money. And, um, you know, they they listened, but I didn't necessarily see them, you know, jumping on board and and joining the journey with me. So, you know, that was, I I guess you can say difficult to a degree. I kind of wanted them to be as excited as I did and just kind of jump on board and go alongside me. But you know, it was fine. I was just determined to um, continue with what I knew would be best for me. So, you know, I just charted forward. About what year was this where kind of all of this transformation was starting to happen for you? It was um, like the late 2007, early 2008. Time okay, cool, cool. And so how long did it take from the moment where you said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to actually do this. And then you start bringing trying to bring your family and friends along and all of those things, how long did it take for you to finally become debt-free? It actually took me eight months to pay off the $25,000. Um, so that was approximately 3000 per month. And um, I was just really intense about it. Um, and I knew it was a short-term, short-term goal that I was going after. So I just was really intense. I cut expenses down. I said no to vacations and social events and gifts, you know, gift giving and all of that. And um, really focused on my goal at hand because I knew that I would knock it out and then, you know, go on with the rest of my life. So, you know, I was fine with really putting life on pause to say for that amount of time. Makes sense. Makes sense. So I know at the beginning of this, you said that a lot of the motivation for you was the fact that like you, you felt like you were making a good income, um, but you, and you wanted to save more, but you felt like you couldn't. But I know after, you know, you started paying off the debt at some point you started investing. So when did you get serious about the investing side of managing money? I would say, um, in the latter part of 2008, um, cause at that point I was debt free and I built up some cash reserves and um, I was interested in, in starting to take wealth. I'm sorry, sorry to take steps to build wealth. So that's when I really started to focus all of my energies and my excess money on investing. Okay, so this is around, you, you said 2008. So we all know kind of what happened around that time. Yeah. So you're starting to invest right as a recession is happening, which is kind of ironic because we're talking about this right now and we're seeing a lot of fluctuation and different things in the market. So what was your mindset at the time as you're starting to invest, but you know, maybe you're putting money in and then you're seeing the value of that go down almost immediately. So like, can you talk a little bit about your experience with that? So I think um, it's just, it's really all about having 
a plan and a strategy. And something I learned about investing is that your investment strategy is your investment strategy, whether, you know, we're in good times or bad times. So, um, you know, if you have a particular strategy that you're following, then just follow that strategy. So I tried not to, you know, really watch my account too much. Like I was, I knew what I was going after. I, you know, put my plan into motion and just, you know, let it, let it be like, let it, let it ride the wave. Like I didn't, you know, check, I wasn't obsessed with checking my accounts then. And I still am not now, like right now, I don't, and back then I wasn't concerned about like net worth and all that type of stuff. So I, I really wasn't tracking for that. Now, you know, I tend to track my net worth a bit more, but I still am not um, fearful with it, fearful of it or obsessed with it because um, I know what the market does over time. I know the market, you know, it has this correction, it has its ups and downs and it, it always recovers. Um, it usually recovers quickly and it always maintains an upward trend. So I have faith in that. I mean, that's happened over centuries. So, um, you know, I just have faith in what the market does and I, I let it do its thing. I don't try to outperform it. I don't try to time it and jump in and out and all of that. Okay. So can you talk a little bit more about just what you've been investing in since, you know, I mean, this is about a 12 year stretch. So, um, what type of investments you were making? I mostly, um, invested in mutual funds and um, index funds. And now I've become more familiar with index funds and that's been my preference, but I keep my investments simple. Um, and as I mentioned, I don't try to time the market or outsmart the market. You know, I keep pace with it and I grow as it grows. And um, yeah, so I, I don't do any single stock investment and, you know, anything like that. That's, you know, I don't incur my, my any risk that way. I, tend to like to invest in funds. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit about what led you to make that choice? Like what were you seeing or reading or learning that made you say, this is the direction I want to go versus the single stocks and all of that? I read um, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. So there's some investment advice in there. And then also Unshakable by Tony Robbins. And that was really a good overall explanation for me of the stock, stock market and, and how it works and index funds and, you know, basically pacing the market and all of that. So that was really good, sound, timeless investment advice. And I, I'm just not that person. Um, I'm pretty conservative and I, I take risks, but I take calculated risks and I take smart risks. So um, I'm not the person that's really trying to day trade and, and do single stocks and do all these things that are, for one, you know, time intensive. That's a lot of research you have to do on those things. You know, it takes particular skills to, to build and to do those things. And I just basically, I mean, I like to keep it simple because I think a lot of times when people get into that and they don't know what they're doing or if they think they know what they're doing and they really don't, um, you stand to lose more there. Um, so I didn't want to get into anything that was a lot of risk and where I was going to be all over the place and get discouraged and, you know, abort my goals. I mean, I know that we've just had like one of the greatest stock market runs in history, but like, did you have any challenges over the last 12 years or so when it came to your investment strategy? And if so, can you just talk a little bit about what they were and, and how you dealt with that? So I would say not in terms of the, the market itself or investing itself that I have strategies, but I think just always, you know, as individuals, as humans, we have challenges with ourselves. So just having the tenacity and the fortitude to stay the course. Um, it can be tempting to do, you know, some of the, the things that you see other people doing, engaging in. 
Um, and that's not to say that I, I didn't enjoy my money or enjoy my life along the way because I definitely did once I had my foundation in place of being debt free and, you know, having cash reserves. Like I, you know, I, I stepped back and I enjoyed my money. I took vacations and participated in social things and all of that. So, um, it's definitely not about deprivation, but, um, I also didn't want to get into mindless spending or chasing after things to keep up with a certain lifestyle. So um, just keeping myself on track and on course for my goals was, you know, challenging. And then just life, because I chose to live debt-free and I remained debt-free, just as anything happened in life, any storms I had to weather, um, I had to cash flow it. So that can cause setbacks at times. Um, so just, you know, pushing through all of that and just not not reverting back to what's quote-unquote easy, like, you know, grabbing the credit card and racking up debt. Um, just really pushing through and maintaining my stance and my plan. So yeah, and then I guess that all speaks to making short-term sac- sacrifices for the long-term good. So um, just just stand of course with that. One thing that you just touched on briefly, and I, and I want to kind of go back to it, was you mentioned trying to balance, right? Like being financially responsible, but also enjoying life now. Because again, tomorrow's not promised for any of us. So while we should be diligent and safe for the future, there should be a little bit of balance there. So mm-hmm. can you talk about just some of the practical things that you do or you did or, and that you do now to keep that balance? Yeah, like I think we should absolutely have a healthy relationship with money. So, you know, our money are, is meant for multiple purposes. It's meant for us to spend it and enjoy it. It's meant for us to give it, to save it, to invest it. So it's definitely important to spend it and enjoy it along the way. And I like to do what I call... Um, value-based spending. So I spend and, and enjoy and prioritize the things that matter to me. And then I cut back on things that don't matter so that, you know, I do have that cushion to invest and build wealth and all that. But I'm also able to spend money on the things I want without guilt because it's all part of a plan. Mm, okay. I really like that. So in in that strategy, how did you go about finding like what it is that you value versus what's just something that, you know what, I, I I would just like to have that. Like how do you how do you make that difference? It's of course it's personal for everyone. I value um experiences. I'm not really a big consumer person. Like I'm not a name brand, um, you know, gotta have the latest and greatest person. Um you know, I tend to buy and hold in general. So my my investments, my house, my car, I don't turn that stuff over and have to get new of that, you know, all the time to keep up with the latest. So, you know, I'm content. And um, I also, you know, I, like I said, I like experiences. So I like travel and I'd rather, you know, spend my money taking nice trips um, and really, you know, enjoying myself and, you know, helping my family to do the same. So, you know, for me, it's easy because I know what I value um, and I just spend money on those things. Okay. So you've been at this investing strategy for the last 12 years now. So what have been your personal results as a result of just sticking the course, being consistent, not doing really anything flashy, just again, chipping away at it a little bit at a time? I definitely have gained, um, you know, tremendous, tremendous gains from investing and staying invested in the stock market. So, you know, with 2008 and all that was going on, um, you know, not being afraid of the market, not jumping out of it. And, um, you know, I had a friend that, you know, she said during that time, 
you know, everything was so volatile. She was like, I'm not putting my money in the market. She saved it, fortunately, but she just saved it in a bank account. So she didn't benefit from the gains as the market came back. So um, with my strategy, I definitely have, um, you know, benefited from gains. And, um, you know, it's helped me to have a healthy and sustainable relationship with investing, as I mentioned, because I understand fundamentally what the stock market does and how it behaves over time. It's helped me to have a relationship where I, you know, I trust the market, but then also I don't feel like I have to do any crazy or complex things that, you know, I won't sustain over time. Because I think when people get too complex or too trendy, it can prevent them from staying in the game long term. Um, so I think those have been my, my, you know, my major results. Okay. And so, and, and you became a millionaire before you were 40. So like, was that the goal in the beginning? Like, did you, did you have that in mind as something you wanted to accomplish or was that just something that you looked up and was like, oh, this is cool. Like this happened. Right. Exactly. That's, that's what it was. Cause I, I didn't have that goal at all. You know, I basically was just planning to implement smart financial principles, do smart things with money over time. And, um, I had gotten to the point, like I kind of have evolutions in my finances where, you know, I get to a certain point, I figure out some things, I implement them, and then I want to get to another point. So I finally got to a point where I felt like I could take myself as far as I could personally. And I want, I was looking to maybe work with an investment advisor. So I was talking to um, different people and I was talking to a young guy and he was like, you're a millionaire. And I didn't realize it on my own because I never really sat down and calculated, you know, out my network. So it was just kind of something that happened over time. And then I kind of just realized, like, hey, this is what I accomplished. But it uh, it wasn't an attentional goal from the beginning. Gotcha. Okay. And so can you talk about just uh, how that net worth breaks down, like between maybe real estate or in the market and just kind of all those things? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's... um. About a 60-40 split. So 60, say 60% of it is investments in the stock market and then about 40% of it is um, real estate. Can you, are you open to sharing just what your income range has been from the start of the journey until now? It's been six figures the the whole time. So I would say when I first started, I was probably in the 100, 110 range. I mean, that's definitely, that's given me you know, as people would say, a big shovel to work with. But I do want people to understand that you don't have to have six figures to to build wealth or do these things. Um, I definitely know of, you know, people with teacher salaries or things like that that have been able to accomplish this. So it's really not about, you know, how much you make, but about what you do with it. But in my case, definitely having a six-figure income, you know, there was no way I should have felt like I couldn't save and I, you know, I couldn't do certain things. I just kind of had to, you know, get my expenses in line and then also have insight into my money and actually manage it and tell it what to do. You know, I, I love that you said that because one of the things about me, I've been a financial coach and I've coached some really high income earners. I mean, you know, 250, 300,000, income earners that were living paycheck to paycheck that didn't have a plan for their money and just didn't know what to do. So I love that you brought up the fact that no, you don't have to make a six figure income or just because you make that doesn't mean that you're automatically going to win with money. So I guess the next 
question that I have for you is just how did those basic habits that you built early in the debt free journey help you become a millionaire? Because going back, you said that, you know, you started doing a zero based budget and you got clear on your values and all those things. So how did all that work together to help you become a millionaire at 38? I think they contributed to um, the muscle that I've built over the years. My debt-free journey really taught me contentment. You know, all the ways I disciplined myself around my money during that time, you know, taught me contentment. And as the years went on, you know, I wasn't wasting money chasing after a lifestyle or trying to impress others. And I think that's what, what, you know, my debt-free journey really set in motion for me. Gotcha. Now, I, I love that answer. And so can you talk a little bit about just since since that's happened, right? Since you have this revelation that you're a millionaire, has has your life changed? Any? Has your lifestyle changed or what has it done for just your outlook on life or your outlook on your career or any of that kind of stuff? No, absolutely not. It didn't change anything once I realized that. Um, and I, I want to, I guess, backtrack a little bit and talk about what a millionaire is, because I think people tend to have misconceptions about that or maybe a misunderstanding. And basically a millionaire is, is just when you have a net worth of a million. So basically when your assets minus your liabilities um, equal a million or more. And your assets being things like your, you know, your stock portfolio, your investments, your uh, real estate, and then your liabilities, meaning your debt, your mortgage, anything you owe. Um, so when you do that equation and you have a million or more, then you're a millionaire. So millionaire is not that you have a million dollar income or you're making a million or anything like that. And I think a lot of times people confuse maybe what a millionaire, quote unquote, millionaire lifestyle is with a celebrity lifestyle. So they think you live this lavish celebrity lifestyle. And I'm like, no, I'm just what, you know, Thomas Stanley calls in his book, The Millionaire Next Door. So um so yeah, basically, no, that didn't change anything um, in terms of my lifestyle once I, I realized that. Um, because, you know, like I said, it wasn't something that I sought out to become or achieve. Um, I just did smart things with money over time and, and it happened. But um, I would say that being fiscally responsible has afforded me um, some peace of mind, and especially during um, times such as this pandemic. I have the luxury of not being worried about money and it's not you know, like I said, because I have this million dollar income or anything like that, but it's because I don't have debt. I have cash reserves. So I've just put, put a, you know, what you can say, a solid foundation in place with my finances where, you know, I don't have to worry during these times. And, I, you know, I definitely feel very fortunate for that, for that financial piece. So I know one thing that just kind of a byproduct for myself of, of just building net worth and, and all those sorts of things is that I, I, I've learned to kind of look or I guess naturally I've started to really look at my career differently. And like so now I, I mean, I love what I do. And it's made me actually better at my job because I go into work because I'm I'm choosing to go, not because I'm having to go to pay a bill or any of that kind of stuff. So has, have you experienced anything like that? Or is again, is it just kind of business as usual with you? With my nine to five, I would say my nine to five is um, a bit different. So I do enjoy the work I do, but I don't necessarily believe it's my my you know my life my lifelong passion so i think what my passion is is financial coaching and i will say being a millionaire has given me a platform to share the financial principles that i've learned over time um and then also my unique approach to money management because people tend to want to listen when it's coming from a millionaire 
because you have results. So, you know, I would say that it has given me a platform and it, you know, it helps me with the, the work that I want to do with helping um, other female professionals create their plans to become millionaires. Okay. Looking forward, what financial goals are you working towards now? I would say my two main things are more liquidity and additional streams of income. And when I say more liquidity, like right now, you know, a lot of my investment is in the stock market. And for me, my investment strategy has been, like I said, the buy and hold. So my long term. So if I'm whatever I'm investing, you know, I want to leave, leave it alone for at least 10 years or more to to grow. So, you know, that's not anything liquid that I can tap into and touch. So I have been doing more aggressive um, saving, investing for um, more liquid assets that I can, you know, tap into. Also, additional streams of income. So, you know, I have my nine to five and I have my financial coaching. But, you know, I feel like this is a, that's an area of my life that I really need to to build out. And I think this this pandemic has also shown me personally that um, because my nine to five um it shut down for some time. And, you know, fortunately, I'm still getting paid. Um, and fortunately, I have cash reserves. So I wasn't too concerned. But what if I wasn't getting paid? It just kind of showed me that I do need to put more streams of income in place. That makes total sense. My final question for you, I have just a, a hypothetical question. Let's say that there's somebody listening to this right now and they're just now starting their career or, or they've been in their career for a while and they're looking to get to where you are. They want to become a millionaire. What are some practical things they can start doing today um, that would lay the foundation for them to ultimately get to where you are? Um, I would say first and foremost, discipline, disciplining yourself around your money. And I know that that's not a favorite thing that, you know, we want to do, discipline ourselves, but it's definitely something that will serve you in the long term. So in that, you know, having a, a plan for your money, um, you know, telling your money what you wanted to do each month. And that's, of course, the timeless principle of living below your means so that you can invest the rest. And that's been, you know, very key for me, keeping my expenses in line and, um, you know, basically having it so that, you know, I'm able to live, I'm able to live comfortably, but I don't have, you know, very high expenses and I'm able to really take my money and invest it, take, you know, everything above what I need to live and invest it. And that's, that's really how you, you build wealth. And of course, understanding that you will need to make some short-term sacrifices for the long-term good. But if you know that you have a plan, you're following a plan, like, you know, it makes it all worth it. Worth it. Um, and then also, as we kind of touched on a little bit, but don't make the mistake of thinking you can out earn, you know, your money issues. Because um, as you mentioned with the people you coach, it doesn't matter how much money you make. You know, if you have those quote unquote poor habits around money, it'll be applied to a low income or high income. And you at the end of the day still won't have anything to show for. It. So um, it's not about, you know, out earning it. It's about, you know, doing the right things with the money that you do complete. Awesome. Well, that is some incredible advice. I, I can tell you firsthand, that's incredible. So for all of the people listening out there now, can you just share, April, what you have to offer and where they can find you if they'd like to connect with you or work with you? So I definitely would advise everyone to grab my um, free millionaire money checklist on my website. And um, that's www.aprilthemoneycoach.com. And in there, I give the steps I took to become a millionaire in less than 15 years. So um, that's a great checklist to grab. And um, 
I'll also be launching this summer a coaching program to help um, you know high achieving female professionals create their plans to become a millionaire. So um, that'll, like I said, roll out sometime this summer. So I'm happy, excited to start to work with female professionals and help them to achieve, you know, some of the things, some of the same things that I've achieved. And then, of course, you can always follow me on Instagram at April the Money Coach to keep up with the latest um, that's going on with me. And I'll always share there what, you know, I have going on. So those are the best ways to get in touch with me. Well, April, thank you so much for sharing your journey with the teammates and for sharing where people can find you if they want to connect with you. I'll be sure to link to everything you mentioned, including your checklist and all the book recommendations you dropped in this episode in the show notes, which can be found at winningtowealth.com slash episode 33. That is winningtowealth.com slash episode 33. Now, for this week's win of the week, April mentioned how she could never really find traction with her money right after college, although she was making a really good salary. But then came a spending plan and April credits the spending plan or budget, as she calls it, with helping her gain clarity around her finances. And that clarity helped her become debt free first. But As you know from listening to the episode, she didn't stop there. April continued using the spending plan and became a millionaire in only 12 years. Now, I'm not saying that a spending plan is going to make you a millionaire in 12 years. But what I am saying is using a spending plan is a great way to gain some clarity with your money and accelerate the journey to your goals. Now, at the end of the day, what you need to be clear on for an effective spending plan is your income for the month and your spending for the month. You're going to want to list out both, then subtract your expenses from your income. And there it is, a literal plan for your spending. It really is that simple. My wife and I do ours in about 15, 20 minutes every single month. Now, you can find my personal recommendations for the best tools and methods to create a spending plan in my playbook, which you can find at winningtowealth.com playbook. That is winningtowealth.com playbook. Now, if you enjoyed this episode with April, I only have one thing to ask of you. Please drop me a five-star review, especially if you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts. It is super simple and only takes about 30 seconds of your time to do. But that's all the time I have this week. So until we talk again, keep racking up those wins one at a time. Take care. You've wrapped up another episode of the Winning to Wealth podcast. To learn more about how you can start making winning money decisions, head over to winningtowealth.com.